Why don't we just start certainly with the thing that I think is most pressing for most people in the province right now, which is um, uh, the COVID pandemic, um, the mm -hmm. variants and the restrictions around it to try and keep things in control. Um, the Premier announcing that we may well start to see some restrictions lifted uh, starting February 8th if the numbers stay where they are. Your thoughts, too soon, not soon enough? What do you think? Well, you know, I, I am pretty concerned that, that we're moving too quickly. And, and let me just start by saying I understand how desperately uh, so many small businesses want to reopen, many restaurant owners, and people want to go there as well. I mean, that's, that's you know, this, I don't think there's a soul out there that, that doesn't want that to open up. Mm -hmm. But part of the issue is if we open up too fast, we could just end up closing again. And I've heard from a lot of small business owners that the yo-yo uh, effect is, is actually something that's harder to manage than just being closed and I've heard a lot of other people say that you know what open or close we're not going to go back we're like as customers because we don't think it's safe so that actually puts a lot of these small businesses in greater jeopardy and it puts uh, our overall public health in greater jeopardy what we're seeing across the country is that every other province is finding ways to become more restrictive because they can read the writing on the wall with respect to the variant and guess who has the highest number of variant cases per capita in the country it's Alberta all over again, and we're going in the opposite direction. Doesn't make sense. Okay, so it's easy yeah. to it's easy to criticize as the opposition. Let's put you in the premier's chair. What do you do today? Mm -hmm. Well, what we would be doing is we would, uh, uh, of course, be uh, not moving forward with, with lifting the restrictions. We would be accelerating rapid testing into um, all the schools. We would be uh, enhancing the, the the quarantine for incoming travelers uh, because we know that that's where a lot of it's coming in. We actually called for that about a week before the federal government uh, moved on that. Um, and, uh, and, then, and, and then, yeah, it's just basically test, test, test and do everything we can to promote uh, the public education of following the rules. And then, of course, we would be enforcing the rules on those people that, that aren't actually following them. I find it ironic that, that, that you know, we've got a, a premier who says, oh, no, the restaurants will be safe because they're going to follow the rules where only people in certain cohorts go out for dinner together. Let's think about that for a moment. We're going to ask a 20-year-old server to enforce that rule when the premier cannot enforce the simple rule of, open versus closed um, you know that 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 doesn't make sense so we have to have clear rules and then we need to uh, ensure that people follow them yeah let's okay, well, let's hope for the best moving forward I suppose um, switching gears a little bit um, to this change this amendment made to uh, the coal development policy that's been in place mm -hmm. since the 70s now it's been reversed we know that uh, there's been some exploration or some uh, attempts at exploration in category two lands that were previously protected by the UCP government uh, mm -hmm. what are your what are your thoughts on on this on the idea of whether or not coal is even something that's important for our economy and how detrimental this is to the environment why are we doing this well i mean listen i mean thermal coal uh the, you know the 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 coal mines that are operating now uh do keep people employed and 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 so um you know that that of course as a result it's it is part of the economy but this idea of of, of growing it exponentially the way this government is is i think it's a it's a plan to look backwards in terms of our economic development in part 
because the 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 economic and the environmental consequences and the two are are linked in this case to uh, folks who live downstream from from many of these proposed coal mines are profound like if you look at at the agritech and the agriculture and 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 the the many many other uh, economic activities in southern Alberta that are downstream of the eastern slopes um, those things are in jeopardy if the water supply is in jeopardy and so I heard last night apparently the you know the premier suggested that oh well the NDP approved a coal mine that was outside of the protected areas of the eastern slopes uh, and we were not moving forward on any of these these uh, uh, mines proposed in the eastern slopes they are understood to be some of the most sensitive um, uh, ecology in the country and they are the most critical uh, to the sustainability of large swaths of this province so it is it is uh, so short-sighted it's really quite jaw-dropping and and what's interesting is they have to start listening to people because we have we have have countless uh, municipalities and and uh, counties and uh, towns uh, begging them to to put the brakes on this. And uh, once again, this is a government that needs to to talk to Albertans before they make these kinds of critical decisions. Um, another issue that, of course, was making huge, huge news uh, was the Keystone situation. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I want to know what you would do today if we were in this position. Now we've got this money invested in the Keystone pipeline, and it's done. It's done. So what do we do now uh, in terms of going forward? If if we had an election night last night, you're in power today. What's the plan now? I think what I would do now, which is exactly what I called for yesterday, is I would at least transparently uh, explain to the people of Alberta what advice I relied on when I made this reckless gamble. Um, We called yesterday for uh, the Auditor General to investigate for instance, uh, the the independent advice that the government received. When you do something as as crazy and as as, as investing 7.5 billion dollars, uh, you typically get outside expert advice uh, on the whole deal to make sure that it makes business sense. And as far as we can tell, that never happened. I would want to know what happened in terms of the political risk uh, analysis. Uh, what what analysis they got there? Because frankly, anybody from the outside looking in could tell that there was high level of political. Risk. But that's but all rearview mirror course, stuff. That's all rearview mirror stuff. I'm talking about going forward. How do we restart this oil and gas sector now that Keystone's not not an oh, issue? I, see. I thought you were talking just about Keystone. On, on Keystone, the other piece, of course, is you've got to do everything you can to save and protect that $6 billion loan guarantee. Like, get the heck out of that and make sure nobody else draws on it because we can't afford to lose any more money. Going forward, of course, what we need to do, uh, keep uh, laser focused on TMX. That has to happen. Line three has to happen. We need to be building our diplomatic relationships uh, with the federal government, both of whom have key roles to play in making sure both of those go forward, and maintaining and building diplomatic relationships with those on the other side of the border who have a role to play with respect to Line 3. Uh, calling the governor of Michigan names happens to be the, the co-chair of the current president's uh, election campaign. Probably not helpful. Um, and, and so what we need to be doing is the kind of work to 
to uh, engage with uh, Americans who benefit from Line 3 um, and make sure that we're working together to, to uh, um, amplify that voice in as many rooms uh, in decision makers' uh, uh, offices um, as we can. I think Line 3 is probably safe because the Americans need it more, but I don't think you can let up on that. So that's critical. And then, of course, continuing to push and promote the value of TMX in BC so that if uh, further political or, or um, you know, citizen-led objections to TMX arise, that overall the, the uh, um, support for TMX stays high. We did a lot of work to keep it high in BC and to grow support there, and, and we need to make sure that that doesn't change. So, so those two pipelines are critical to our oil and gas industry, and there is a role for Alberta to play. We don't make progress by having stupid things like the Allen inquiry and looking like a bunch of Keystone cops promoting junk science. That doesn't help with uh, protecting uh, the, the way forward for either of those two pipelines. Yeah, clarify that because we talked a little bit about the Allen inquiry yesterday and we'll be asking Premier Jason Kenney about it when we're chatting with him at 8 o'clock. It's, it's basically an inquiry to say we're being victimized here in Alberta by environmental groups uh, criticizing uh, the way that we handle our oil and gas industry. What, what do you think is the purpose of this report? What's What's the intent? Well, I mean, I, I think it, 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 it obviously the, the intention was to fulfill um, a rather uh, misinformed election promise. But I think the pro- what we've got now is something that is becoming an embarrassment. Uh, we're wasting money on it. They've blown through multiple deadlines. We've got multiple incidents of, uh, of you know, um, sole source contracting to friends and insiders. But probably what's most damaging is that somehow the, the people of Alberta are buying uh, junk science and 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 uh, climate denying uh, uh, papers from from uh, people with no uh, credibility, no um, uh, academic or or reputational credibility on these issues, and are as taxpayers we're paying for that in order to help contribute to a report that's being written by someone who hasn't spoken to a single person that they are actually engaging in inquiry about. So they're actually breaking natural justice rules as well. So there's there's multiple. Um, multiple uh, failures on the part of this uh, inquiry and like the war room and, and that embarrassment, I think they should just shut it down and and go back to trying to be some adults in the room and work on the kind of uh, diplomatic um, complicated uh, projects that we need to do in order to maintain, as I said before, um, the, the support for the projects that really matter to the oil and gas industry here in this province. All right, I can't believe it, but our time's up. Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your time. Okay, yes, well, it's a joy to talk to you. Sorry, is it good long? I'm a bit long-winded, and the issues aren't simple these days. No, they're not. There's a lot going on, for sure. Yeah, that's an understatement. Ms. Notley, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.